All right. Hi, and welcome back to the Chronicles Movie Roundtable podcast, where uh, Columbia Chronicle employees talk about different movies we've seen that have come out in the past week, past two weeks, past month, and we discuss what we think of them, what their effect on society and film society is as a whole. Uh, this week, I'm Brock Stomunks, the multimedia editor. I'm here with Hawk. What's up? This is Hawk. And Miranda. Hello. Uh, so we're reviewing, or I guess we're not reviewing, but we're talking about Ready Player One this week. And Miranda, you reviewed Ready Player One. So what what were your initial thoughts after seeing the movie? Yeah, so I I really enjoyed it, honestly. Like, I think that it was funny. It was engaging. There were a lot of things that I think, like, felt topical. Like, when they mentioned, um, what was it, the bandwidth riots? That felt oh, yeah. very relevant. Um, but... I think I, I had a couple issues with it. The plot was pretty predictable to me. Like, I wasn't surprised at any point during the movie. Um, the characters were all, like, pretty simple. Um, and I felt like there was a lot of, like, missed potential. Like, having um, H be, like, this black lesbian that could have... They could have started some kind of conversation about, like, why she would want to present herself as, like, this strong, badass like amorphous dude in um the oasis but like it, that wasn't really touched on and i was also really disappointed with how they treated women in general um like how kira was literally like used as a damsel in distress in the second um like task to get the key um that was like pretty bizarre to me because it felt like I, they should have known better um and also just the way that like I mean, um, Artemis had her own, like, story arc, and it felt like she had some character development, but, like, at the end, when Wade, like, it, like his big character moment was, like, taking the leap to kiss her, that felt like right. it cheapened her as a character to yeah. me. Like, it, it felt like they were just using her for his arc and his mm -hmm. development, and it kind of, like, made everything she had done feel like, okay, well, they were just, she was just, like a pawn in right. his own development um so those were my general thoughts I think, also i think yeah. do we ever have to say anymore whether we're going to be like spoiled like it's just assumed with this oh yeah. it's just should assumed we, okay. spoilers, <laughs> i should have clarified whenever, <laughs> whenever whenever these go up which you know then they're somewhere, we're, we're, they're somewhere. hey someone's listening yeah i feel you what's up <laughs> yeah three uh, listeners so yeah exactly <laughs> us three I, so my, my big thing with Ready Player One was that I hate referentialist movies. In fact, mm -hmm. I can't stand most of Quentin Tarantino's work because he yeah. just references mm. upon references and he doesn't create anything new. Some, like some of his, some of Tarantino specifically, he does take these references and like subverts them or something. This was just pure like nostalgia. Yeah. And it's the same reason that I can't watch Stranger Things mm. because every like, I want to watch something new that hasn't been done before, and I don't want to watch, you know, oh, they're on a racetrack, and now King Kong's there, and right. now the dinosaur from Jurassic Park's there, and now the DeLorean's there, and it doesn't fly. Like, it, there's so many things in it that it, it you know, Spielberg's on record as saying this was a movie, not a film. Right. Um, and so it was. It was a movie, and I got out of it, and I was like, oh, like, like it was enjoyable, but at the same time, after I got done with it, I was like, I could have gone and seen another movie that 
number one, didn't glorify fanboy culture, uh, which is a huge thing. And like, I'll, I'll take, for example, there's, uh, people who, um, like there are people who like worship Beyonce or people who are like in love with Taylor Swift and that's their entire life is sorry, Lauren, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm, 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 I'm like pro- I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Like people who like they this is their entire life is looking up and apotheosizing these like human people, mm. and uh, like like for example like Kanye West or uh, uh, you know even I mean Wes I don't want to get into religion but it's yeah like, a lot of people that worship at the cult and of his like Anderson. quirky like a, aesthetic yeah. yeah yeah it's and it's it's these things that they can do no wrong yeah once you're once you're in it they can do no wrong and it's like oh well they do some good things too and that's a very like modernist approach to things to think mm-hmm. that like there's this one thing that gives your life meaning and it's someone that you know subjectively isn't any better than you and you're just deciding to be a follower in that hmm. that this this uh i forgot his main, the main character's name because he's not even that like memorable wade watts. Yeah. wade watts like he even at the end of the oasis it's like oh he owns the oasis but it's still not his he's done nothing to change the world yeah he's just like saved it from advertisers i guess which yeah. is like a very small part in the film yeah and like on that point so, like, I, 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 I mentioned it a bit before we started, but I think I I appreciate it just for dumb fun. And I think that's, I'm just, I just, I'm just going to watch it once, know I had fun mm. watching it, and I'm not going to really give more money to it. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's just, I, I agree with a lot of the points you bring up, uh, both of you. Um, and, and my thing, just plot consistency, because I, I haven't read the books, and I watched it with two people who had seen the books. Mm. Um, and so that was interesting talking about that. And we can talk about that later, um, very quickly after this, but I do want to point out that like on that point of the ending where it kind of brings up the fact that this, there's like some weird character inconsistencies that are going on throughout the entire movie Mm. where, um, not, but you know, at the end, Wade and, uh, his group of people, the high five, Mm -hmm. like, Clan Bad name, which Bad is like name, man. Bad they name. just introduced that right at the end. Yeah, they like didn't like, actually didn't, tell us I that didn't was realize it was name. called High Five until yeah. the end. Um, but like it was High Five and his his little clan of friends, and that's fine. And I get it, friendship overall. But thirty minutes before that scene, when they all share ownership of the Oasis, he said, "No, I'm not going to sign it because mm-hmm. that's your mistake that you decided that a corporate legacy should live on in this way." And then just because the legacy is shared amongst five people, it's different now? Yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't get why Nolan Sorrento played. First of all, I loved the performances, though. Even though they're very corny. I agree. Everybody owned the up writing, as much as they the could. The writing was... Uh, the dialogue writing was objectively bad to <laughs> oh, me. It was. But, what they, but what they were yeah. able to get... like it, it took me out a few times, but it was so bad that I walked out and I was like, I'm surprised that they kept me in it as much as they yeah. did and, and it's just like i think the actors just ran with it, it was like i yeah. don't care like it's fun let's just do it like everybody had fun and ben mendelson i've always been a fan of ben mendelson since his appearance uh in bloodline on netflix mm. um but ben mendelson killed it as nolan sorrento in my opinion but then at the end you know he has he's going through the scene of like everybody in, in columbus and he's like going towards the van and everybody's like oh do we stop him we don't f- want to fight a guy with a gun and then he he's so set to finally stand up for himself and not send somebody else to do his job. Right. And then he sees a glowing egg in the reflecting visor of, yeah. of Wade's thing, and he's okay with not killing him now. 
Like all of a sudden, like if you're gonna kill a child, yeah. like your resolve is you, probably you pretty pro- firm. You like... Probably morally crossed the line. Yeah, and and like nothing like that is gonna make you go back. And also, somebody made a great tweet that was like the most unrealistic part of Ready Player One is that a rich businessman was finally found for his crimes, arrested, and he went peacefully. Uh, the thing, <laughs> the thing that I really hated with the villains here is that. Uh, this is, you know, not all Hollywood films, although on this podcast, I do like to bash Hollywood and the producers <laughs> that make employed, their bro. films <laughs> and all and, you know, all of that. And I, I'd love to, you know, do that. But not all Hollywood films have badly written villains. There were yeah. two main things that really made me mad about this film. One is the badly written villain because they're a good villain the protagonist should learn something from them and apply mm-hmm. it to their life like if you look at black panther yeah mm-hmm. uh takala learns something from killmonger and applies it to his world and makes the world better for that in yeah. a sense speaking of that he literally adopts his view up to a point and yeah. like i agree with everything except for the fact where we kill everybody yeah don't mm-hmm. like make your villains idiots yeah. give and, them a point and you know if 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 your villain's gonna be an idiot, I guess, or not even an idiot, but just like this this monolithic evil, right? That yeah. that can work in very specific circumstances. Like, uh, we'll Star do a Wars. podcast at some point. <laughs> like Star Wars works, or even like a lot of horror movies, like Get Out, that mm. works, or uh, 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 A Quiet Place, that works. But this, where it's very, they're trying to create this complex society, and then you just have these evil people at the head. It almost seems like it's pandering to uh middle class and working class and lower class people because that for some reason the producers think that we're too stupid to realize what they're doing even though they're the millionaires making this film and that's just that made me mad uh the second thing and i think that that has happened in different films and spielberg's done that a few times Mm. the thing that really made me mad is they set up uh Artemis to be this very strong female character and then just dropped it all as soon as they met in person like she was a very strong like she's leading the rebellion she has these goals and then as soon as they meet in person she's like oh actually I just want to be with you and it's like come on like yeah and like I I can't understand what they were thinking when they decided that she should like give herself up to IOI and like go to one of those apparently in the book it's him Really? Yeah, and the oh, book, I didn't know that. The, there, there the are book. things in the because I like I went to watch with my girlfriend and her mom, and they had read the book, and they were saying that other than the basic idea of the egg hunt, mm-hmm. very few st- plot points stay the same, and very few character development points because apparently character development does make a lot more sense in the book. Um, and on that point, the, there is somebody who does get themselves put in the loyalty camp, but it's Wade, not a li- not. Uh, Olivia Cook's character Artemis. Artemis. I forgot yeah. what her real character name is, though. Um, but Artemis, That's it's nice. it's not Artemis in there. It's Wade who has to get himself Wh- which out, is as, a, I uh, as I understand. Another I interesting point is that, you know, I, I think Artemis's name is mentioned, but she... Samantha Cook. Yeah. Samantha Cook. It, it's mentioned, but, like, we remember her as, like, this fictional... I, she's she's not a manic pixie dream girl, which is something I've really been interested in because some of my favorite movies have that character trope. Yeah. But, and so it's not a bad character trope, but it's almost like they couldn't decide whether she was going to be this trope or whether she was going to be this strong female character. Yeah, exactly. And it is just kind of like they were tossing and turning on it and it just made for this inconsistent character that I didn't. And then she has this birthmark for some reason that then is on her that, character like, at the end. That bothered me so much because it felt like they were trying to do the thing that I was kind of mentioning earlier where it's like, yeah, like we want to like show that people who might not like 
get the chance to be viewed in like privileged, beautiful ways are doing that through the Oasis. But like, she was a beautiful woman. She just had like mm -hmm. a small birth birthmark on her eye. Right. Like it just felt like a half-assed way to like, I don't and, know. And, and when you brought that up in your review, if you want to talk about it a bit more, but just the idea that there are so many, you know, we have a cast where other than the main male character and the main female character, the rest of High Five are people of color or, or queer characters yeah. or both. And there's so many there's so many times where we see visuals of these people who are disenfranchised in society and enjoy their time in the oasis right or are people who are poor and enjoy their time in the oasis yeah. and did not i mean to maybe there's a subtext that. of escapism but i don't know i like, just i feel sometimes like spielberg surprises you with how deep it is but i don't know if it's any deeper than what we saw yeah i don't know i like i i think that some people might try and make the argument that, like, because it was kind of, like, geared towards being, like, a kid's film with, like, mm -hmm. a pretty simple, like, good versus evil thing, that they might not, like, want to delve into all of that. But I would argue that that would have been, like, a much more interesting thing to explore than what they mm -hmm. actually did. And it's something interesting to talk about with kids, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that that's something that a lot of kids would, like, relate to and, like, want to see portrayed on screen. Yeah. And to... uh to that point, Spielberg, I think some filmmakers can get a pass on like, oh, this is a kid's movie. Spielberg can't do that because he he made kids' movies, you know. He yeah. he like not just like he made them, but he like made He's what they are pretty today. Much responsible for why you have a child. And yeah. so like, he like E. T. Like he didn't direct the Goonies, but he was directly involved in the Goonies. Right. He was directly involved in like yeah, he Star Wars or and, directed your your childhood. Yeah. yeah, and and it's that's that's crazy. So he doesn't get to and I think one of his arguments could be like this movie came out like six months after the post. So that's yeah. a crazy turnaround mm -hmm. time, which means that he was okay. either directed it very quickly or something. So it could have no, just he been would, him. He had like, finished shooting a regular production, live action production before he, he j jumped on the post, mm -hmm. did the post in nine months, and then he did finish post-production after the wow. post. So that, that brings up an interesting point on the post-production that uh, a lot of my friends were like, oh, let's go see Ready Player One in 70 millimeter. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. Why? There's yeah. no reason. So this, I don't, I don't want to, uh, for our audience that is listening, I don't want to assume that you either don't know or know what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to explain it. Basically, film stock versus digital has always been a huge debate since like 2005 when yeah. like Collateral came out. And, uh, and digital is, it, it's, it's an argument whether or not it is as good as film or not. But a lot of people like film because it, it gives you colors that you might not be able to get on digital. And it also gives you that grain that you see in, in like 90s films where it's just like you're sitting in the theater and you can see it's a moving image. Mm -hmm. that And it, it just gives it texture. But the thing is, Ready Player One is a clinical movie. Like in the Oasis, it's all right. supposed to be very like perfectly clinically yeah. Yeah. Idea done. Of, like, 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 like you were talking about, Miranda, the idea of like escapism and yeah. what does that mean? And it made me mad that they are using this, uh, like, instead of using film for what it should be used for, especially 70 millimeter, which is so expensive, mm -hmm. uh, for, like, The Hateful Eight or Dunkirk, when it works, they were like, oh, let's put it in a kid's movie and spend a million or two million extra dollars instead of giving that money to independent filmmakers to make their own films. Mm, that's one a good of, point. I, this, this movie made me mad, not because it was bad, even though I think it was bad. It made me mad because so much money was spent on it and they knew exactly where everything was going to go. And they're like, this is going to make money. It's not going to, mm -hmm. I, I can't see Spielberg sitting at this and being like, Oh, this is a good film. I'm proud of this. Right. I see him sitting there and being like, Oh, this will make 
a lot of people a ton of money. And I think mm-hmm. a big part of that has to do with kind of like the all of the inside jokes you were talking about before. Like people wanted to see it so they could be like, oh, I know what the DeLorean is. Like I get it. I'm mm-hmm. in on it. And like that's that's a pretty gross culture. Yeah. yeah. And ooh. and like the thing to, to kind of talk about that, that brings up to me what in terms of everything we've been talking about is probably the most ideologically confusing, but it just in pure emotional, a lot of fun part of the one of the funnest parts of the movie. Uh, the Shining sequence where it's yeah. like it works only because you know what The Shining is or because like if you don't know what The Shining is, it's just scary to you. Mm-hmm. And you're just there with H as 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 she's trying to figure out what the hell's going on and what are the rules of this 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 world they came yeah. into. But if you know what The Shining is, it's hilarious and it's weird and it's eerie. But it also only works precisely what you're talking about, like, uh, Brock, about the referential culture. It's like it works because it's a reference to something else. It's yeah. not because it's something new. And Although I will say really quickly, mm-hmm. objectively, really impressive how they managed to meld CGI in the real world that, in that sequence. That was incredibly impressive to me. Yeah. But it, it, see, it seems like this is, this is something that's happening not just in this film but in our culture where instead of creating new ideas for pop culture or new things that we can look back on and be nostalgic on we as a people are decidedly just happy with being like oh i know all about this cult all about this 80s culture mm-hmm. all about it's like it instead has to of be intertextual as opposed to ha- creating new texts yeah, yeah. It, exactly exactly and that is uh, that's not only bad for film but it's bad for literature it's bad for music i mean even if you look at uh, uh music pop music maybe not today but a few years ago they went back to that 80s like uh kick drum wave and, and stuff synth like wave that. stuff instead of continuing to like innovate and you know yeah. uh inform what the next generations will will use mm-hmm. and that's not because artists aren't doing it because you're seeing movies that are being made like moonlight like uh even not la la land although la la land did still played something. on nostalgia a yeah lot. um but like moonlight manchester by the sea uh whiplash if you're talking Jamie whiplash. Mm. i liked whiplash whiplash like these films that are creating watch. creating new things those just aren't getting the attention and yeah. they're not getting the advertising what's getting the advertising is the marvel movies mm. the sequels right. the pacific rim power and, rangers and, ready player one kind of adding to that point it's interesting to think about that because annihilation was one of the biggest examples. i know you didn't you know i know you brock didn't personally like totally dig annihilation but you have to admit it's probably one of the most original things out there right now uh i would say um, and, and just to the fact that paramount decided to take that risk mm-hmm. and then they you know whether it was good or bad it's it's going to be debated for years yeah. to come the fact that it was only theatrically released in the u.s but adding to the point that you know we only take risk on things that aren't really that risky. yeah, yeah. and to me uh annihilation was a risk for american audiences but there's a masterpiece of a film called stalker by andre right. Tark- tarkovsky that was literally the same exact plot um and it was made in like 77 that's a criticism of the book too because the book is almost the, the basic plots of both, all three of them are, are very simple yeah it's just like oh we're looking for this i mean it's a simple story i don't want to say that they copied stalker because they didn't it's a simple story though it's like we're going to find ourselves within this thing because you know, and it's dangerous, and we don't know what we're gonna and find. And also, we can't possibly know what aliens are like. And yeah. So um, I mean that that's a that's, that's a for a different different yeah, podcast. I haven't seen Annihilation. <laughs> Annihilation. I recommend it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I heard good I, things. It's cool. The, it's worth it for the last twenty minutes. Mm. Uh, but back to Ready Player One. I just thought I was so. I'm a huge Spielberg fan. I have had an argument on this podcast before 
uh, with another one of the people who's usually on Sawyer about how he's the greatest living director today because he makes like just classic after classic after classic. But it's almost like he just didn't care for this one. Mm. Or he was like, he literally put in the dinosaur from Jurassic Park, which is a film he directed. He was like, oh, why don't you just watch some of the film I already directed? And I don't know. It was just well, I like. I heard he was resisting that. I, yeah. I heard, yeah. I heard that he like didn't want to throw a bunch of his own mm. references in there because it yeah. would come off that way. I heard the same thing. And as I understand it, he actually was surprised to see the T-Rex in the sequence because he was not like, he's not the final, he's not the person mm. who's guiding the entire post-production process. He's like, this is just what I want to have happen. Mm. Put some sure. crazy, crazy stuff in there. Um and so when he saw it, he's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll keep it. That's yeah. what, that, that's also what I heard is that yeah. he was just like, oh, thank you for putting that reference in there. Right. I, I guess I'll keep it in there because you already took the time to do it. Yeah, he, I mean, I and I'm not bashing Spielberg per se. I just, I don't know. I was expecting so much from a film that like the previews looked like Speed Racer mixed with Spy Kids or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. But it wasn't bad enough to be spy kids and it right. wasn't you know enthralling enough to be speed racer it was just it just kind of was and then i yeah. look at what its budget was and i just go oh like the amount of money you could have given barry jenkins or uh you know kenneth lonergan to make another yeah. film that like informs us about society and instead you made this literally just a reference to a ton of different films that have already been made yeah, yeah, I agree. So. Like it, it was it was fun, and I enjoyed watching it. But I think that they could have gone in much better directions with it, and ultimately, like that money could have been put mm -hmm. to a better use. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the script as well. I mean, not even the story. Even if it's a referential story, maybe don't have the one. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe make the story about Artemis or about H or like you guys were See, saying. That, that, that's about. what I was gonna jump into. Um, but I, I want to let Brock have his little sob fest about Spielberg and <laughs> the death of cinema. Um, but uh, no, I think there was so, like to talk about what you were talking about, Miranda, a bit earlier, the idea of missed potential. I, I was reading this interesting article, I believe it was from Vulture Vox. I don't. It, it was basically the the Ready Player One controversy explained is what it was called, and it was the idea that was it about Gamergate? Yeah, I read that article. Yeah, okay, yeah, where, yeah. Where the book is emblematic of the gamer not by not intentionally but happened to just be coming in right at the perfect time yeah. where all these horrible men were like gaming is only for men and with the very heavy subtext for white men right and then it came in at this point where like oh look this book is exactly what we're talking about this yeah. is for us See, it's proof that video games are just for men. Yeah. And then the fact that we have a white male as a protagonist and yet there are times throughout the movie where Wade Watts is being checked. Yeah. He actually is getting his ass kicked sometimes, and he's like, hey, actually, this is weird. Like, when she right. t when she talks him down from saying I love you in the dance scene, I was like, oh, it's uncomfortable to watch, but I'm glad he's getting called out on Yeah, that's a good I'm point. I'm glad he's, he's being told, you literally have no idea who I am. Yeah. You can't just say that I'm your guy, I'm your girl, and I'm just going to save you, whatever, and that I'm the love of your life. You can't possibly know that I've entirely choke like she reality checks him so right. hard in that scene while also being shot at by hundreds of ioi henchmen 
And it's like, oh, are we going to keep on getting this? And it stops halfway through. Right, yeah. And though, again, Wade if only Blue was consistent. Yeah. Like Wade, Wade Watts just becomes totally immalleable after the yeah. after halfway through. And it's like, oh, we could have had this really interesting progression where a movie that was about, oh, you know, maybe it takes place in 2045, but we're referencing the 80s because this guy grew up in the 80s and he wanted to live in his childhood again because that's when he was happiest and that's what the right. book was about. But we could have made the movie about, oh... This is for everyone. Like, right. gaming yeah. belongs to everyone. Pop culture belongs to everyone. And it's not just you, Wade. Yeah. It's not about you. Exactly. And, like, that, I think that was kind of one of my biggest issues with the ending as well. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Wade's big lesson in the end is, like, he shouldn't escape. And he should, like, enter the real world more. Yeah. And, like, they closed down the Oasis one day a week or whatever. I think it was, like, Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know why Tuesday. We're like, oh, we closed it on Tuesdays. Right. <laughs> and it just, like that could have been something that would have been like a jumping off point to explore why all these people maybe don't want that. Like don't yeah. want to like enter the real world because they have these real legitimate reasons for needing to escape from it and like yeah. wanting to enjoy that kind of culture and escapism. And like, I, I think that that just would have been really interesting. And there was so much potential there that absolutely. they just really, they and absolutely a, missed and it. And there's even a passage in the book that I, that was also being uh, thrown around the idea that, it was a definition of what the Oasis was, and it was like a place for all the poor, sad people of the world to go to while the world burns down around them or something like that. And I was like, oh, what? Right. And we don't talk about that? Yeah. And we just kind of see it? That's so like, disappointing. Like, at the beginning, and it's like you can't even talk about, like, the socioeconomics yeah. issue of it either. Yeah, like, and Wade is clearly very poor, but he still has access to all of this equipment that lets clearly, him do this. And clearly, it seems like the heavy implication from the movie is that a majority of the people who are right. on the Oasis are poor. Yeah. That they just happened to have access to this game because Halliday wanted everybody to right. to have to be in the Oasis, but the majority of the people who play are are poor middle class people. Yeah. But the people who have all the perks are the upper class, which is right. kind of like what you were talking about, Brock, earlier about how it's a little on the nose. But even then, I'd be okay with it because we're talking, we're still talking about what can the middle middle class and lower class do to yeah. like subvert their world or why would they want to escape this way? And it was. I agree. There's a lot of mispotential to either talk about socioeconomics and a lot of mispotential to talk about how, you know, it's a movie made after Gamergate. It's a movie made after Gamergate helped the alt-right rise. Um, yeah. And it's a movie that could have easily gone, like, you know, let's remember that culture belongs to all of us. Like, maybe yeah. it still would have been a reference fest, but it could have been a reference fest used to just tell the world now. Maybe it won't be a permanent message, but just tell the world now. Hey, it belongs to everyone. We all have, you know, there's a way for all of us to enjoy it. And just structure it in a way where it becomes a more equitable ending as yeah. opposed to just, let's just congratulate the white guy and his right. friends. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so before we go, I we usually do out of 10, what would you guys give the film? So Miranda. Oh, man. Four. Out of 10? Yeah. Mm. Hawk? Uh, this conversation's made me like the movie less, so probably like four or five, something like that, yeah. four point five. I yeah, I'd give it about a four. And uh, something we didn't touch on just because we don't have time, but I, you know, I think people should think about is that Halliday very obviously is on the spectrum of either having Aspergers or mm -hmm. having a mild form of autism or something. And it's it, at least when I, I don't know if Spielberg meant it this way, but in the theater it was almost played for laughs. 
Yeah. Hmm. Some of some point. of the some of the like things he was doing or like the way he was acting, it was played as like, oh, you're weird. Not as like you're this genius who obviously has quirks, and that that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit as well. Yeah. It just seemed a little a little off topic and just a bit of a misfire yeah. by Spielberg. Yeah. I think the best way to describe it is kind of when the way I was talking about it with my friends, where it's like you know. There are 80s movies that are iconic and perfect, but then there are 80s movies that we remember, but just because they were like in the, made in the 80s. They mm-hmm. were flawed dialogue, flawed characters, missed potential all yeah. over the place. And a lot of 80s movies, we just don't talk about them because we don't remember them. And this was kind of made in the vein of those 80s movies, not the iconic ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast without the cooperation between the columbia chronicle and wcrx fm chicago's underground if you'd like to hear more stories about the chronicle uh read miranda's review of ready player one you can go to columbiachronicle.com great review by the way thank you very much uh you can find uh us on social media cc chronicle on twitter and instagram columbia chronicle on facebook columbia chronicle on youtube go subscribe we always yeah watch their videos Go, yeah, please. We just crossed our what marker? We're, we're, we just 1,100 subscribers. Yeah. So we're, you know, hopefully hopefully by the time we all leave, we'll be at 2,000 or something. That'd yeah. be really cool. But we put up, you know, videos of stuff all the time. So, yeah, go watch that. Also, uh, wish Hawk a happy birthday. It's your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Happy it's birthday, Hawk. Hawk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, so the last thing I should say is that I'd like to thank Chris Richard and Zoe Idle and Suzanne McBride, who is the chair of the communications department for letting us do this podcast uh, until next week. Uh, uh, and thanks to uh, our friends at WCRX for letting us do this partnership as well. That's true. Um, and yeah. letting us use their space. And uh, without them, we wouldn't have had this awesome partnership mm-hmm. to create this yeah. podcast and the other podcasts for the Chronicle. And uh, with that this weekend, go watch a good Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs>